0: What are you gonna be when you grow up? What college do you want to go to? What are you gonna do when you graduate? What career are you gonna follow? Where are you going on vacation? How soon do you think you can retire? We've all been asked these questions that build up over the course of our life, or questions like them, right? What do they all have in common? A destination. Our culture is absolutely infatuated with the destination. Where are you headed? And that kind of thinking? It can wreck your spiritual life. Hey friends, I'm Mark Allen and this is The Apprenticeship Way, a podcast about spiritual growth following the way of Jesus. This is episode 29, The Trip is the Point. Every summer for the last several years, my family and I head out on a road trip, We drag a little trailer along behind us, we check out national parks and crazy roadside attractions and historic markers and fun summer adventure activities. This is so different from how I used to do vacations. For me, vacations used to be about where we were going, cool destinations. But nowadays, it's all about the trip. What unexpected things will we discover along the way? What amazing food will we find? More importantly, What will we experience together as a family? The trip? Everything that happens along the way? That's the whole point. There is a way of thinking about our spiritual life that is also destination-oriented. There's the obvious destination, thinking about getting to heaven. There's the intellectual destination of finally getting your theology right, There's the American dream version of Christianity that accepts that if we do the right things and trust God in the right ways, then we'll be happy and peaceful and blessed and maybe even prosperous. We'll arrive at that state. When our focus is on the destination, our spiritual life becomes a hollow and demanding thing. This kind of thinking, it shapes our vision so that we see the world in terms of Who has made it and who has not made it? It can lead us into performance mentality. It's a seed at the heart of legalism and purity policing and celebrity Christianity and so many other soul crushing ways of thinking about God and our life of faith. When I talk to people about their spiritual or religious life, I don't ask them anymore if they're saved. I've learned that that word means too many different things to too many different people. I don't even ask them about their doctrinal positions either. So what do I talk about? I'm a pastor. Well, I want to know what's happening in their inner world and outer circumstances. I want to know how they're responding to it. I want to know about their recurring spiritual practices. I want to hear if and how they're experiencing God in their circumstances, and if they have any sense of God inviting them in a specific direction. In short, I'm asking them about their journey. In my writing and pastoral work, I use the phrase spiritual journey a lot. The phrase has become more popular lately. You've probably heard it. It certainly has some baggage. I mean, that word is kind of vague, right? It can be used to refer to kind of an amorphous sort of mysticism or a vague religious intuition without any kind of commitment to a particular tradition or practice. That's not what I mean. The reason I use the phrase spiritual journey is because it focuses our attention on the idea that our spiritual life, our life with God, is not about arriving at a destination. The idea that you can somehow accomplish your spiritual life or somehow arrive, that's going to undermine your growth. Let me give you one example, comparing Scripture and how we think about it. In Luke's Gospel, there's this scene where Jesus' students come to him and ask him to teach them how to pray. Now, Jesus' response to them is that famous passage that we often call the Lord's Prayer, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, that thing. Now, this passage and the prayer within it, it's one of the most well-known, most popular passages of Scripture. Why is that? Well, because it's one of the rare places in the Bible where people say to Jesus, show us how to do something. And Jesus' answer really looks like a step-by-step model. Jesus rarely answers that way. And so if we come to this passage with a destination mindset, we see a model. We see a destination to to arrive at. We see something to accomplish. See a model prayer that gives us the exact words we should use to pray in the official way that Jesus approves of, a formula. Now, the great thing about formulas is that they're just recipes. If you follow the recipe just so, you'll get the outcome you want. And so if Jesus taught us this way of praying, it must be the best, right? It must be the most effective. It must be the most successful way to pray. Do you see how I'm starting to talk about it? This way of thinking opens up other interesting perspectives. Because if I now have the right way to pray, that means there are other people who don't have it. They don't know or they're praying the wrong way. And now all of a sudden we have people who are right prayers and people who are wrong prayers, a whole new in-group and out-group to pay attention to. This kind of thinking shifts my perception of other things. How do I feel about myself having the right kind of prayer at my fingertips? Do I think about those poor people who don't know what I know? Do I feel sorry for them? Do I feel more enlightened than they are? Do I feel more justified and holy like I'm on God's special inside team? Can you see how this sort of destination mindset turns a beautiful passage about prayer into something with some dark edges? See, now this prayer that Jesus gave us becomes another way for me to be right. It becomes another way for me to be in. It becomes about how to pray successfully, which basically means how to get what I want from God. It gives me a formula for a transaction. But this is not what Jesus was doing. Jesus was not giving a formula, and even though the disciples asked the question, teach us to pray, I don't think they were asking for a formula. Here's why. First, you need to understand that every one of Jesus' disciples at this point were devout Jewish people, and Jewish people already knew how to pray. Judaism in the first century and still today is a religion built around prayer. There are prayers that happen at specific times of the day, different prayers for different meals, special prayers for the Sabbath, special prayers for festival days. I mean, these guys that are there with Jesus, these students of Jesus, they had been praying these prayers their whole life. So for devout Jews, uh, praying was a way of life. The last thing that they needed from Jesus was a new formula for a successful prayer, Jewish life was structured by daily, weekly, and annual prayers, prayers for meals and prayers for sacrifices, uh, prayers for forgiveness. And so when Jesus' students asked him to teach them how to pray, they were asking him for his view on how to structure their spiritual life, because that's what prayer was for them. And so Jesus, in in his answer to them, he gives us some additional clues about what he means, that this is not just a template with magic words to say, He begins this prayer by saying, whenever you pray, whenever. So that means Jesus is talking about an ongoing, recurring experience, something that happens over and over again. And then when we look at the content of the prayer, notice the topics Jesus mentions. None of these topics are one-time issues. Honoring God as holy, that's not something we do only in a special worship service uh, at a certain hour of the day on the weekend. That's something that we do over the whole course of our lives. Asking for God's reign to be manifest in our world, that's the next line of the prayer. That's also not something that we pray just one time. Having God's will come to life in our world, that is an ongoing practice. In our daily lives, God's reign becomes more and more manifest when we live in alignment with it. What about asking for our daily needs to be met? Give us this day our daily bread. That's a never-ending request. Every day, do I have enough? Every day, am I conscious of God's provision? What about asking for forgiveness and the ability to forgive? That's another ongoing need, isn't it? What about asking to avoid temptation? That's certainly an ongoing need. You see, none of these are once-and-done kinds of prayer requests. Jesus isn't teaching you to pray certain words in the morning before you start your day. These are areas of life where we are continually pressed, where we continually need to seek God's presence, God's way, and God's guidance. Now, if we're living With this destination mindset, and we take this prayer as a template, we're limited. As we pray for each thing, we just check them off our to do list, right? We can incorporate these specific words of this specific prayer into our life as a habit that we do every morning or twice a day or once a week. And if we can do all of that, then we've prayed the right kind of prayer, the prayer Jesus gave us, but we've avoided connecting with what lies at the heart of the prayer. Jesus was telling his students, I think that their whole lives need to be structured around the ongoing appearance of his new kingdom, and that this new kingdom is going to be marked by holiness, by pursuing God's will, by provision, by forgiveness, by the need to avoid temptation of going back to the old ways of the old kingdom. So if we can see this prayer as a roadmap for our journey, rather than a template for magic words to say, we are freed from the legalistic idea uh, that we have to pray certain words to get God to do certain things. We're freed from the idea that we know how to pray in the right way, which means other people don't. We're drawn into a new way of living where every moment of our lives is about being a part of what Jesus is doing in this new kingdom. So think about these phrases of the prayer. Our Father. We are live in ongoing awareness that we are not alone, that we are loved, and that we are a part of a greater community of God's children. Hallowed be thy name. We're to live in an ongoing desire to hold God and our relationship with God as sacred and special and set apart. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We live and we speak and we act with an ongoing awareness that God is bringing to life a new way of being, a new kind of community, a new kind of economy, a new ethic, where Jesus' way of other-centered, co-suffering love defines everything. We're either helping to extend that other-centered co-suffering love in our words and our actions, or we're impeding it. Give us this day our daily bread. We live in an ongoing awareness that what we have is God's gift. Even if we think we earned it or worked hard for it or built it from scratch, We also live in an ongoing awareness that daily bread is not just for us. We're not praying for my daily bread, but for our daily bread. We're praying that the whole community can be provided for. And if we internalize this prayer, then not only do we pray it, but we work toward it. Forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. We live in an ongoing awareness that this life would be impossible without forgiveness. We need it. God's given it to us. But our homes and our neighborhoods and our workplaces and our churches, their environments where forgiveness is desperately needed too. And so we let go of entitlement. We let go of fighting to get our way. And instead, we learn to practice the mutuality of grace. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We live in ongoing awareness that there are forces more powerful than we are. Evil forces, evil people, evil systems, And those things can do damage to us and to the community. And so we pray to be protected and to be protected from our own desire to take that easy path that will lead us into doing evil to others. For thine is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever. Amen. We live in ongoing awareness that we aren't God. We aren't in charge. We aren't in control. And so we want to live graciously in a world that's out of our control. And we recognize that all of it, every last part, belongs to God. Do you see how much bigger, how much deeper, how much more powerful this is than just a simple template for what words to say in order to pray successfully? In fact, do you see how approaching this prayer with a destination or accomplishment oriented spirituality can just gut the meaning right out of it instead of having a goal of arriving or accomplishing or becoming the expert we're reminded by these words to live humbly in the ongoing process of God's new kingdom coming to life in us and in the world now that's what the spiritual journey is really all about instead of becoming experts on christian behavior and christian thinking and christian ways of reading the bible We're to become more and more practiced at learning to trust what God is doing in us and around us. And i got to tell you, that is a much, much better way of living. May you experience the gift of freedom that comes from letting go of the need to control, accomplish, and derive, and instead embrace the joy of the journey. Thanks for listening. You'll find the show notes for today's episode, including any links or scriptures I mentioned, at www.markalanshelsky.com forward slash TAW029. If you want a regular infusion of good stuff like this for your spiritual growth, then subscribe to my email list. I email about twice a month, not more. Uh, that'll usually include a link to a new blog post, maybe a link to a new podcast episode, and sometimes links to other things that I found that I think will be beneficial to your spiritual journey. And of course, If you found this podcast helpful, do all the things. You know what they are. Subscribe in your podcast app so you never miss an episode. Subscribe on YouTube if you prefer the video. Uh, Rate and review the podcast so that the algorithms know that this is worth sharing. But most importantly, this is the biggest thing. If you found the words I just shared with you helpful, insightful, giving you a new way to see your life or a challenge in your spiritual growth, share this episode with someone you think would benefit. Click the share button, paste a link in your email box, however you connect with people, share it. That kind of person-to-person sharing is how podcasts grow, and I can't do that without you. Until next time, remember, in this one present moment, you are loved, you are known, and you are not alone.